and welcome, dear listeners, to the Odd Job Pod. This is the pod I think long-term listeners have been waiting for. This is the point that we have been building to almost since the revelation back in. Oh, I mean, if this was a TV show, it would be been something that would have been planted way back in the first series. And now it comes to a head now. Where from the point where me, your host, Gary Andrews, revealed that he had to watch Die Another Day 20 times as part of a university dissertation and now revisits his demons and his trauma. This is one man's journey into darkness. Will he, will he come out the other side? To help me with my um, PTSD from this film, uh, I have, as always, Graham Sibley. Hello, Graham. Hello, Gary. And uh, Terry DeFellin. Hello, Terry. Hello. Uh, we've hired a diamond-encrusted satellite to uh, clear a path for you on this journey. Oh, I mean, and this is going to be a journey. If you have just, just, uh, this is the first James Bond odd job pod that you've listened to. First of all, where have you been? Uh, secondly, um, long, t- long time listeners will know that uh, for university days, I had to watch Die Another Day a lot of times. Uh, I think it's fair to say this is not a film that would uh, necessarily grace many people's top 10 lists, although there's, there do appear to be some very strange people on the internet. Who, uh, who think otherwise. Uh, over the course of the next hour or so, we'll probably tell them why they're wrong. Uh, but I mean, that's the world. People are wrong on the internet on every single day. And then it just involves a podcast with lots of white men telling other people why they're wrong. So, you know, why should we break with tradition? Um, but this is going to be a fascinating one. I, I genuinely think this is going to be one of the most interesting pods we've done because I think, um, Graham, uh, I know, recently watched it all back to back but uh, this is a film a lot of people have probably avoided for a long time probably with good reason but we are going to go where potentially other pods uh, fear to tread by discussing it so um i i'm i have lots of hot takes throughout probably more so than i usually do um but yeah terry um this is obviously a film that is not massively well loved uh did you how did you cope with, with watching it, revisiting Die Another Day. I, I coped fine with it, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I, I watched it twice in preparation for this and I did enjoy it. Uh, I, I think that if you listeners might remember when we, when we did um, Diamonds Are Forever, um, that I wouldn't characterise that as a revelatory experience. But it certainly, uh, w- watching it again with a view to podcasting about it, gave me an opportunity to look at it from a perhaps a different perspective. And, and, and actually, I, I enjoyed and, and, and saw why people might like this film. Um, I, I wouldn't say that Die Another Day watching that was as profound an experience as that. And I think the fact that the, Di- the Diamonds Off River experience set a precedent. Thought, well, look, you know, you, know, you, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to continually dislike things if you could you can choose to like them if you want to but my my experience of watching this film this film this film was was broadly positive uh, and and I was able to try and find things that clearly the writers wouldn't have intended but that I find quite personally satisfying um and and yeah i mean i i enjoy i have enjoyed the experience of of researching this film for this podcast revelation stick that, stick that on a billboard <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> Die Another Day. <laughs> the retrospective. I enjoyed this, Tita Fellin. <laughs> 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 
Graham, you, you, I suspect probably seen it a bit more recently than Terry before coming back into this because you you watched all of them. Um, how uh, how how low was the bar in your mind for this film coming into it, and did uh, a reappraisal of it manage to uh, climb overclimb that bar? I, well, yes, as you, as you say, I did do a full rewatch of all the films. Uh, it was a couple of years ago now, so it's been a couple of years since I last watched Die Another Day. Sometimes I, I will accidentally fall across it. It will be on ITV4 or something like that, and then all of a sudden you, you, you get presented with it. And either you're presented with a really good bit or you're presented with a really awful bit. And uh, it's it's pretty 50-50 which, which, which way it goes. I it's difficult now because I, I can't watch Bond films. Well, I can watch Bond films. I can easily watch, sit down and just let a Bond film wash over me. But when you're watching a Bond film for the podcast, you have to go in there with the idea that uh, that you're going to find something else from it this time. You're going to look at it. You're going to analyse it. And it's really not how you should watch films because, and especially it's not how you should watch this film. Um <laughs> <laughs> really um i've often said the last thing you want to do for a bond film is is look closely at it um if you want to enjoy it but um th- 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 there is a lot of positive stuff in this film there's a lot of good stuff in this film unfortunately there is also well i think the problem is with it is that there it's just like a big big super big vat of good stuff uh and it's in there with a load of old crap and um and it's just a mess that's the worst thing about it um there will be a theme that goes throughout this and there and the theme is is generally this for the first half an hour it's brilliant it's it's the best bond film ever and for the parts of the last hour or so it's 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 utter garbage it's a bin fire of a film um i i don't think it's that bad I mean, there are lots of films that if if I if someone put a gun to my head and said, right, you have to watch this film, but critically acclaimed films, there are lots of films that I would rather watch Die Another Day instead of. I would rather watch Die Another Day instead of Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> put it that way. Because I know, I know that, that watching Peter Jackson's King Kong, after an hour, I still haven't seen a big monkey and there's two hours of this crap still to go. <laughs> Uh, I, the, I I feel also this is this is a pod where Graham works for a few issues as well because uh, <laughs> that went in a direction I was not expecting very very quickly. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think as, as you say, Graham. I think we can set our stall quite early on, and I I would have a sense from uh, reading the people on the internet who defend Die Another Day. And they're quite a surprisingly large number of people, whether they're just being contrary or whether they genuinely are Die Another Day stands, you will generally get the same thing of, yeah, the second half's not that good, but I'm going to try and pretend that I enjoy it. Whereas the first bit is genuinely quite good. And, and Terry, we're actually really not exaggerating here. That first 30 minutes is probably... I would say the Brosnan film that a lot of us wanted to see Pierce do going a little bit gritty, going a little bit darker, um, a lot of a, a cracking bit of action. Um, yeah. That, let's talk the first half hour, Terry. It, it, for you, is that the, uh, is that the Brosnan film that you hoped could have uh, emerged from there? Yeah. I mean, it, it, cause it's, 
it's got a really nice misdirect at the beginning. I mean, it's got what appears to be a very enjoyable but standard teaser sequence. The cold open is 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 a is a, a romp of an action cold open which we associate with James Bond films. Uh, it's tremendous fun incursion into North Korea. You've got diamonds, you've got explosions, you've got things blowing up, you've got hovercrafts and all of that. And just when he thinks, ha ha, there you go, job done, on to the next adventure, roll the credits. Oh, no, he's been caught. And then it suddenly goes dark. And the movie takes a very, very dark tone. Um, and yeah, it suddenly becomes this, an authentic spy thriller with authentic spy tropes. It feels like it's a Fleming drama. And I remember watching it vividly and, and, and thinking, this is great. This is, this is, if this is what the film is going to be all the way through, this is going to be the best James Bond film ever. It wouldn't have been. But at the time, that's how, I, that's how enthusiastic I was about it. It's got so much to offer. I mean, I think it goes on. I'm enjoying this film all the way up to the underground, the abandoned underground station. I think the film is really good. All the way up to there. It gets a bit hokey, you know. I love the Cuban scenes, but the Cuban island is, you know, that's all a bit hokey, but I like that. It's like some kind of trippy fever dream in the middle of all of this. And, you know, it feels a bit Ipcress Firely. It's consistent for me. It's consistent with the, with the narrative of the movie. But the moment it gets to... I'll tell you what it is. It's a James Bond film until he gets... Until he gets... Until you get the kicker and he gets caught. Then it goes dark, tortury you know, outside, a rogue agent suddenly working for the Chinese, you know, and, and, and all of that. And then the moment he gets, he gets back in the fold, it becomes a James Bond film again. Only some really odd, sort of like sci-fi B-movie variant of a James Bond film. It doesn't in any way excuse its flaws, but I think it makes it slightly easier to understand, in my mind at least, um, you know, when I, when I rewatch it. Yeah, no, it, 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 sorry. I was going to say very quickly. It's like Terry's just describing going from um, John Le Carre into Ed Wood. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It has got that 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 classic spy genre right at the beginning of it, and then and then just just yeah, it goes into Roger Corman or someone like that, isn't it? It's it, it's <laughs> Corman. It, it is Corman, isn't it? That's that, it that's, Corman. That, that, that's where we go. It's, it's Earth versus flying saucers, isn't it? It's it's interesting what what you said, Terry, about about Fever Dream, because I've actually read someone someone's opinion of it online. I forget who it was now. Sorry, and uh, and he said his his personal head canon for 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 this whole thing was. That everything that happens after his call actually happens in the mind of Bond, and he's actually still oh, in, a, nice. in a bunker in in, in Pyongyang, and uh, <laughs> and everything—the invisible car, the ice palace, the the beams from <laughs> outer space—it's it's basically his it's 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 the the scorpion poison messing with his brain. That is beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you know, yeah. All, I mean, that's, sometimes that's all it takes just to alter your perception of that movie, and suddenly this movie makes sense, and you can enjoy it. Well, actually, I said that's all it takes. That's quite a big leap, to be fair. But I mean, <laughs> fair play to that person for doing it. It's a great. It's a great take. That really is. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's there, there's so much, and I'm with you on that. I actually. I got probably about to the same point going, I'm actually enjoying this. And I wasn't like, I think I remember thinking this will drop off earlier. It, it did. I mean, this, 
We can talk about this a little bit later, but I say there's zero chemistry really between Pierce Brosnan and Halle Berry. Um, but let's stay in the first 30 minutes for, for a bit. And um, Graham, probably one of my favorite scenes, I actually put this up there with one of the best scenes that's, that's ever been filmed in Bond, which might be quite a big play. It is a scene on the bridge with uh, General Moon where he thinks he's about to be executed. And you've got two very good actors there. Just And the tension is just quite something. You have no idea what's going to happen. Um, for me, I think, again, it, it's, it's spy, but it's something very different from Bond. This is something that really, as an audience, you just have no idea what's happening. And it's a beautifully done scene. It's probably one of the best scenes, I would say, if not the best, of, of Brosnan's entire um yeah pierce brosnan's entire stint as james bond yeah certainly i agree with you i mean that that bit was like it's purely carrier isn't it it, it is like, like spies being being traded and and especially the uh the interplay with with bond and m afterwards about the whole trade thing about why look you look, i didn't ask to be traded and this whole thing that he's now got to go and get Zhao because of the fact of that because that hit that that trade happened people have died and the intrigue of it is great because that's his in with the Chinese intelligence as well. So this is all lovely stuff. And, and Purvis and Wave done a great job there of weaving that in. And it and I must say as well, the direction of this film is is brilliant. I think I think Lee Tamahori's done a, an excellent job on it. it. It looks beautiful. Everyone shines in it. Um Unfortunately, they've polished a turd for the second half. That's that's that, that, and you know and and he shoots it perfectly. It it looks lovely, um, but yeah, it, it those bits, those bits, the bits in Korea. The, I, I like the bits in 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 Cuba. They, it's all very um, uh, from Russia with love. I think a bit in 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 that bit. There the the bit with the where you've got the little the the the, the sleeper agent there as well, helping him out, setting him up with a with a gun and a, and, uh, and 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 a and a pass onto the island. It, it's it's all. It, it's great. I love that bit. I don't know. It's a bit hokey, but I th- I, I do enjoy that. And and I yeah, even when he's going round in in the clinic and everything, and the and the sleazy um, uh, doctor there as well. Great character. And yeah, I, I'm really, I just I, I'm I'm with Terry. It, it, it's once he gets the key, once he gets the key, and it's like, hmm, okay. And then all of a sudden, the drop off is alarming for me because it's it it is because you've got a great interplay with them again when they go through the um the 911 bit which is a very important thing that we have to talk about uh, at some some stage today um and then within 2 or 3 minutes later John Cleese is there and frankly it's, it's less than that yeah it's less than 2 or 3 minutes it's seconds later seconds later it, you've yeah. got the 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 bit between Pierce Brosnan and Judy Dench as they're walking through the tunnels. Mm. It beautifully shot, looks immaculate. And for those of us who have a thing for the <laughs> for London transport, a London underground aesthetic, it's 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 quite stimulating. It's a wonderful scene. Um, and then within, it's, it, so you've had all this. Sorry, so you've had all of this going on, and you've got this great spy stuff and this incredibly atmospheric 
sort of like, you know, haunting this underground, abandoned underground station that's been converted into us, into a secret, a place for secret agents, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And then seconds later, it's a holodeck. Yeah. The next scene is in a holodeck, basically. And then you've got a cloaking device, the scene after that. It's gone from James Bond to Star Trek in a matter of seconds. And it's just so colossally jarring. Yeah. I mean, and it's just a complete, it's not just a tone shift, it's an everything shift. It's like what I was saying, the moment he's welcomed back into the fold, it's like, right now we can go back being to a, to a, to a pretty low, lo-fi, you know, James Bond film. You know, pretty standard formulaic James Bond film, if you like. But it, they've, Tom O'Hori has, has clearly been informed by different genres and he's put that in there. That it, even, the, even the crappy bits, the crappy CGI bits, I think can be appreciated from an aesthetic point of view if you want, if you choose to. But there's no excuse for the, for, for, for the inclusion of those, of those sequences. And there's really no excuse for the way in which the film just like takes a sudden nosedive. You know, in terms of, I mean, in terms of everything, you know, tone, narrative, plot, dialogue. Oh, I mean, just everything just goes, goes down. I chose to enjoy it, but, but in a kind of so bad it's good kind of way. And, 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 and if I'm to be serious, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, it's great. You're all wrong. Because, you know, I've done that before and it's, you know, it's not, mm. no longer, no longer fun. It, it is. Ter- I mean, there's there's a lot to unpick in there, and I think you know, it, this is probably the most you know commonly agreed on, even by those defenders of the film. People who say, no, I, I really like it. I can I can see why you would choose to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, that that shift is definitely jarring. And I think that's the point where you go, something's a bit off here. Um, <clears throat> especially with the dialogue where where they've gone from you know they've gone from craig into more very very quickly <laughs> um, from uh from from the craig era at all but yeah there's some very 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 wildly uneven tones but but terry one of the things that i think is really interesting about this film and i've read it um as part of my prep i, I read an interview with lee tamahori about his making of this and he comes across as a massive bond fanboy which actually surprises me because he made the, the the wonderful film Once Were Warriors, which is is an amazing film. Um, but yeah, he was just like, I, I, I'm a massive Bond fanboy. I went, yeah, Invisible Car, why not? And I think Terry, you can definitely see that throughout the film, even in the bad bits. You, you can see that this is a director who is genuinely. I don't know. It, it is a sort of. It's a, not a particularly brilliantly made in the second half love letter to Bond, but it is a love letter to Bond from from a director who clearly loves the the loves all the various bits and pieces that have gone before it. Well, I think that he wants he wanted the best of both worlds. He want, I think he probably wanted the edgy Fleming stuff, and but but he also you know maybe he's a massive Roger Moore fanboy, or maybe. The real compromise in the movie was that actually Tom Hori always wanted to make it like the second half of the movie. And in fact, that Broccoli and Wilson were thinking, no, we want to try and bring some grounding on this. And my thinking for this is because of what happens after Die Another Day, the direction, that, the creative direction that the franchise goes after that. Because mm-hmm. for me, the opening half an hour feels more like the Craig era, as you said. So maybe maybe that explains that. I don't know. That's a reach. I I, I think though no. I I think it is the problem from the producers because 
part of the whole shtick of this film is this whole 40th anniversary getting the references in to all the other 19 films and it's a bit of fan service that i think is perhaps for me as as an observer and a, as a fan of bond films i don't need i don't need this sort of constant harking back it's nice to see the the rope trick um prop in the back of of q branch but all of that stuff in q branch is just you know, it, it it's why is it all here? Why 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 have you got a museum of 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 X props here in in here when they were all abandoned or chucked away on uh in the field? Uh, it, it 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 doesn't add anything to me. All 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 the all, all it does is distract. It just says, oh, that's from this. And when you start looking closer at it, you start thinking. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. That's that's. I've seen this in another film. Actually, I've seen this in about three or four films. And you start thinking, well, oh yeah, this is just the same old trope over and over again. And of course, you can do that with any James Bond film because they've <laughs> there's barely anything new in there. Um, but yeah, when you when you're going, oh right, so big satellite from space. You you you, you kind of did this about three films ago, didn't you? Um, so it, it it's. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, now I start start going off on one. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that. So I think I I, I think it, the producers were to blame on this one. I think I think the director does a great job of it, but the story is a story. He's not he's not going to come up with that, is mm. he? So and like it, it was. I don't know who it was that came up with the invisible car, but whoever it was, they come up with an invisible car. So, um, and there are ways of saying that. Okay, well, look, they, that's not the most ridiculous thing they've ever they've they've ever ever, ever come up with. Um, it's one of the most ridiculous things they've ever come up with. But like you know, his laser watch is ridiculous. It, the, most things are ridiculous. I love his ring. I love I love the the, the ring that 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 breaks glass. I think that is, the ring is great. That, yeah. The ring is brilliant. I think that that's as far as that. If that was the only gadget in this film. That would have been brilliant. That would have been a, a famous gadget. That would, if that, if that was the only gadget here. But it's not. Um, and the fact he uses it twice, yeah, okay, uh, maybe that's all right. I mean, maybe I'll give him that. But can we go into the, to re- reasons why I hate it, or not? Or, 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 or I mean, are we going to bore the listeners? Cer- we certainly can. And actually, I think Graham, I think there's one point there that you've you've made which really sort of struck me as you were talking because yeah. There is a lot of Easter eggs there for Bond Bond fans. Whether they're necessary or not is is not necessarily a good thing. But when you look at um, you know, when you look at two two Bond films, no two Bond films are quite the same. They've all got the similar kind of tropes there. But if you're trying to cram everything in, you've got such an uneven tone with the past you know twenty past nineteen Bond films that. Actually, this is what this is almost probably to me what you would get if you trained up Chat GTP on the entirety back end of Bond and got it to write a script. Um, because there's elements there, as you say, from Russia with Love, um, which is a fantastic film. There are elements there from Moonraker, which is, is a very enjoyable film, but they're very different. And Graham, you can't really try and make a film that merges those two wildly different types of films no together no you can't and this and we've we've had this conversation for a lot of the films especially as we've gone back and and, and had this retrospective over all of them uh taking each actor at a, 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 a time um the reason why moonraker works 
is because yes, it's got the stupid hokey stuff in space at the end, but it it's leading you towards that hokey stuff in space all the way through. All the way through, from the the, the the time you see the 747 blow up at the beginning to the time he's thrown out of a plane at the beginning in this <laughs> crazy scene. And Jaws ends up fly, trying to fly and ends up falling into a, into a circus. That that tells you where you're going with this film. And it, it's just basically switch switch off and, and all of your credulity now. You don't need that for the next two hours. Enjoy it. You don't get that in in Die Another Day. In Die Another Day, you're invested. You're 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 global ge- geopolitics. You are you are really there. You are post nine eleven. This is spy stuff. And then all of a sudden, someone has switched channels. Someone has switched channels onto whatever talk, whatever's on talking pictures right now. Or <laughs> it's it, it 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 is. Or, or someone's put something in your drink and it's just kicking in. And it's the one, I think the one thing for me, it's the one big takeaway about all of our work that we've been doing on this podcast, going through the movies one by one by one, is the consistency. Set the movie up at the beginning to say, this is what kind of Bond film you're about to watch. Stick with that. And the ones that do that are the good ones. And the ones that don't do that are the not so good ones. So, yeah, there's so much to unpick um within this and and yeah tonally terry i think you're, you're totally right as well there, there's so much that's just all over the place but as, as graham touched on earlier and i think now this is a good time to discuss it um the other thing that you really have to look at terry when it comes to die another day is essentially the geopolitics of the day we this is a film that started production pre-production production before 9 11 and comes out after 9-11. And this is a film that also comes out a couple of months after the launch of the Jason Bourne films as well, which is when you you put those two together, it's... um, I, you can certainly see some of the challenges that the both the producers and, and everybody involved in the film is wrestling with throughout the the entire film. Where we end up is obviously where we end up. But yeah, it, I mean, it's a challenge probably that no other Bond film has really had because, I mean, I guess the, the other big one would have been the fall of the Soviet Union, which kind of happened, uh, get, was had enough of a breather to give us Goldeneye. But they don't have that luxury here. So it's what do we do? Do we go dark? Do we go light? Or do we just do everything and hope no one will notice? Terry. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, uh, well yeah I mean that's and again that's where the film disappoints because it it starts off and and, and of course um, when you're watching it in that moment sitting in a cinema in 2002 watching it and seeing the opening sort of like stanza of this film and thinking yeah this is this is Bond post 9-11 this is Bond's acknowledgement that the world has changed the world geopolitics has shifted things are grimmer now perhaps in a way even more grim than they were during the Soviet Union, which the Cold War was awful, obviously, but there was a familiarity about it for most people who didn't actually have to experience it, that that that, that maybe, you know, you, and, and culturally it, it, it kind of had its own cultural footprint that people were comfortable with, but we were in a, in a situation that was incredibly raw and we didn't know what was happening next. Um, and that this had been, they clearly taken a creative decision to think, let's get... Let's maybe let's get Fleming on things. Let's get Bill. And yeah, the Bourne identity had come out, which is an extremely 
sort of genre busting movie or or restoring the genre the spy genre to to its sort of like yeah more like your kind of Dayton Le Carre Robert Ludlum <laughs> uh, literally Robert Ludlum uh, roots um and thinking okay well this is also this response to that this is good and 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 it and it was and as I said it was good and it was it worked really well I mean in that opening sequence is still it has got its hokey James Bond bits but you you forgive you forgive that because again it's about tone but but you know, that, you know, DNA resequencing. I mean, come on. But I mean, you know, it's it's fine. It was all fine. It was all in context. It all seemed to be working really well. Um, and then suddenly, um, it's uh, yeah. I feel like I'm labouring the, the the point again. But it it's. I think it's it. If it had carried on like that, then that would have been the smart move. It's almost like a gone. We don't really know what nine eleven means right now. We're making a movie that does, you know, involve, albeit schoolboy geopolitics. We should tread carefully and not be insensitive. Apparently in the script originally it was going to be Manhattan that was that was trashed by Icarus. That obviously had to be rewritten had to, had to be written pretty hastily after 9-11. And that may explain, I suppose, perhaps some of the some of the changes, changes uh, some of the difficulties that the, the film seemed to experience. Um but, but so yeah, so have a more conservative spy adventure, small C conservative spy adventure, um, and we're on safe grounds and we make a good move, movie. Um, and I think that that might well have been the original or part of the original plan. And, and yes, again, it, it seemed to work for a while. So it works up to a point. And Graham, we've seen when Bond does strip it back, you can actually get some quite good films um, out of it. I mean, I, I think back to For Your Eyes Only when we did that podcast and we came out going, you know what, this was not a bad film. This is actually trying to bring more a little bit back closer to the roots. You then obviously have Stephen Burkoff and Octopussy that follows that, where they, they've clearly gone, hmm, no. Okay, that let, let's we've done that bit. Let's not go back there again. But yeah, I mean, you've touched on this quite a bit, Graham, but the producers have got a really unenviable task here of trying to figure out what Bond is for. And they've already done that once with Goldeneye and yeah. done it incredibly well. Um, they do it quite well with Craig as well, with the Craig era as well. But this is a point where everything shifted. Um, as a producer, what on earth are you going to be doing at, at that point in time? Well, it, it's it's the tragedy of the whole of, of, of the Brosnan era, isn't it? Because he's stuck in this world, this, this post-Cold War and 9-11 era where Bond doesn't really know what, what, what he is. Um, and they face it really well in Goldeneye. And then they've got another three films to come out afterwards. And, and, and that's why they get, that's why they, they deteriorate so, so quickly. Um, last time out when we spoke, well, last time out when we spoke about a Bond film, we spoke about uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. And, and I, I was, I was of the mind that, that was actually a, a good premise to take to to look at that and and actually looking back at it now it's really prescient isn't it about the whole thing about messaging and about how the, the about media and everything like that and and this was all before like everyone really was all about conspiracy theories and things like that so it 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 was a, it was a really really good analysis and actually i think it stands the 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 test of time but then you go into the completely hokey, the world is not enough. And that is really ho hokey. And it's a poor film. And, and 
I, the worst thing is, is die another day, lets it off. And and I think that's that's the real that's the real crime about this film. It lets the, the world is not enough off the hook because it's a, well, it's not as bad as Die Another Day. Well, you know, <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> um, but I was saying that. I mean, the, the, it, everything is a work in progress, and everything they do, the development of M throughout the whole series, leads us up to to to, to, to Daniel Craig. I mean that's that's what they've got her pretty much the the M you see in in Die Another Day is the M you're going to see for the next three films, uh, and and it's and that is is one thing that they really did get right in this because you can see them changing the tone, changing Bond for a new generation, and and yes there is a gap here as well, and that just allows it all to mellow out, but you know. Casino Royale, that's why they hit the ground running on it. You always see that, you always think about the fact that, God, those first Bond films are really good. Um, I know there's a lot of problems with Live and Let, Let, Let Die, but it's a really, really enjoyable film. Um, they're right, they get it right, really, they get it right on the third film. But, uh, but yeah, most of the first films actually do, do really, really do well. And they get time. carried away. Don't they? This yeah. is the thing, isn't it? The the pattern is that you get to Diamonds Are Forever and they've got carried away. Yeah. Or you get you get to the only live twice and they they got carried away. So they go to one of Manchester Secret Service. They kind of do it again with Diamonds Are Forever. They get carried away. So they go to Live and Let Die and they nail things down a bit more. You're right. Live and Let Die is a problematic movie, but it's a beautifully made film. Yeah. And it's a much more of a kind of back to basics movie. That's what. They're doing with their. You get the. You get to the end of Roger Moore's era. Living to Call is a is a film that we love, but it does get carried away with itself. And so they get Tim Dalton back, and they they nail it back down again. And then they do it. They do it again with Pierce. Golden Eye is a nailed down. Yeah. Bond Fleming esque adventure. And then they did it with they did it with Craig. And Diana Day, of course, is 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 that. It's it's the equivalent of You Only Live Twice. It's the equivalent of Diamonds Are Forever. It's the equivalent of A View to a Kill. But it's not as good as any of those movies. No. No, there's, there's, and there are redeeming elements. And, and Terry, I kind of said this at, at the start. Um, that it's a film that I think we wanted Pierce Brosnan to make, or at least the first thirty minutes of, because it actually takes him out of. As, as Graham said, you've got, you've come off the back of the world is not enough, where um, your final memory of that is Christmas coming, uh, only coming once a year. Um, which is one of the the low points, I think, of the franchise. Um, and then you come in and you say it feels like it's been nailed down. And um, what, having come back at the Brosnan era, I think I realised why I got so into the first, you know, first half of this film because you know that Brosnan can do. This is the job that you really wanted Brosnan to do. You know that he can carry off the light-hearted, more-esque stuff. But you always knew that there was an actor in there that could also do, say, you know, some of the harder-nosed Connery stuff. He just hadn't been given the chance to do it. And now they've really taken it there. Um, and yeah, that to me is kind of what I think why I I dislike this film as well because it gives you a glimpse of what we could have had from the Brosnan era potentially yeah totally i mean there's there's aspects of the second half of the movie that i do enjoy i hope i get the opportunity to 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 talk about those but but i mean they should be stressed there very much in in isolation but when we saw golden eye i think we sort of we we thought 
we thought, oh, God, if they make them like this, then this is going to be great. But deep down knowing that they were never going to do that because they, they never do. So why would they suddenly start doing it now? Okay, it's different because with the Craig films that they did, they, 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 the tone of those movies remains uniform because they decided to do a story arc and that's cool. Um, but, uh, but, but you knew it wasn't going to be. And, and, and I guess this was always going to be an inevitability of Tomorrow Never Dies. This is a Tomorrow Never Dies legacy, which is like, no, we're going to make a, we're going to make a bug, you know, a bog standard James Bond, formulaic James Bond, sort of like, you know, fun James Bond flick. Um, and, and, and we're going to do that. And then, but then unfortunately the next one's going to just like, you know, be a, be a bit of thinned out version and this one even even more so so there's it loses substance with each with each movie that that passes but it's it it will always be the tragedy of Pierce Brosnan was that he was never served with the movies that his that his acting deserves and 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 particularly given how much anticipation there was amongst Bond fans and indeed amongst the the crew for his arrival as Bond I mean he was heralded as the as the not as the prodigal son, but the you know the guy who was destined to play the role, and it looked like it won't ha- wouldn't happen, and then it did, and it's a it's it's a great shame that he's been served with these with 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 these movies, and uh, and 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 I always try and think that, and I'm sure everyone feels this way. Never blame the workers. Never separate the accomplishments and the abilities of the actor from poor decisions that are made by the by the producers. There is a lot that we we can kind of go. Okay, this. The, there's the movie that it, it should have been into here. Um, but one thing actually struck me were, with Die Another Day is if you strip it back, and when I say strip it back, I mean you really, really, really strip it back. Take out the Ice Palace and the Invisible Car and, and just go, okay, these were, this was nonsense that was put on top of it. Actually, the plot there, the, even when you get to the more ridiculous bits – that they've had to leverage in on top of it. But the basic premise of the plot of Bond gets set up, um, you know, rogue general coming back to uh, to launch an invasion. Um, and who's, who can you trust? Who's who into there? Um, the core bits are there for this movie. The plot actually is is potentially well you know you've got a few few bits where it starts veering wildly i you know bringing in toby stevens to play a north korean general is probably one of the most problematic bits of the uh, the entire Bond franchise but when you strip away the nonsense bits of the second half there's still a decent plot for me that sits underneath there and that surprised me watching it back that it doesn't it doesn't actually go into a place which is just like well that's just ridiculous. I mean, the ridiculous stuff is is just the decisions that have been made in how they execute it. But there's a good plot that sits behind this film and carries it through probably to the end. If you could have got that right, you would have had a good film. Yeah, certainly. Um, the the double agent uh, involved in there as well. That's that's great. That that's really good. But the whole thing of the reveal of the double agent doesn't belong in that in that second half. It belongs in the first half. And and. Uh, and I think uh, Rosamund Pike in it is actually a very good character. She's a really, really good, good, good character in there, and she plays it really well. Uh, the whole scene when they're when they're when they're when they're snogging outside, like uh, when, when when the guards going past, brilliant, brilliant bit. Uh, and as well, the whole fact of the fact that he keeps the gun under under his pit pillow, so it makes it easy for her to to, to disable the weapon. That that's really good. That's a really nice sort of. 
it, it, it's something we all expect Bond to do because he's telegraphed that because that was one of the big things in uh, uh, the world is not um, t- tomorrow never dies. Sorry, uh, and so it, 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 there is that little bit of continuity there, and uh, uh, yeah, I think she's a great character, and and yes. She just let down by the situations that is unfurling around her. Of the fact that I did like, like the fact that as soon as she she um, she 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 comes out as as a double agent, it just allows her to dress up a bit tarty as well. <laughs> which it really takes me back to those uh, newspaper strips. Uh, which <laughs> the fact that oh well, now you know I'm a villain. I'm going to take all my clothes off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, female villains who just suddenly once the eggs who get their tits out. It's uh, it's it's very much a, a thing for those yeah those James Bond uh, comic strips, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> My favourite uh, thing about uh, what I particularly like about the character of Miranda Frost was when they get on the uh, the um, the plane. Is it a what is it an Antonov? Isn't it? They get on the Antonov. And like, so I've just got it. I think Gustav is saying to Miranda, "Right, hey Miranda, we're going to go out to the flight deck, okay? I'm going to go out there, and we're going to use the Icarus. We're going to get shit going. You know, my dad's coming up. It's going to be super, super intense. You know, you want to come? You want to come?" She goes, "No, no, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and hang out in the dojo." You know, and, uh, which is, I really enjoy that final sequence. That that whole. I mean, because at this point, I've gone well. <laughs> this film's ridiculous, so I may as well enjoy myself. And I, there's there's a lot. To, to, to take there's a lot going on in that final the fact that the guy's got an Antonov and he puts a dojo in there I mean yeah, this is good stuff I Graves is a character that I have reassessed if you'll forgive me I know he's a deeply unpopular villain and I'm not trying to be contrary here I, I, I'm being absolutely sincere beyond the inherent problematicness of, 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 of an Asian man turning into a white European he does I mean he does pull off that whole kind of you know, sneering public school Six Nations twat that, that, that we've all met before. <laughs> well, uh, but then again, then he, uh, I mean, uh, he is Fleming's Drax, isn't he? Yeah. He, no, he is. He's yeah. totally Drax, isn't he? Because they do say, it is said that Moonraker is, you know, the Fleming novel is, is taken from there. Yeah. I think actually that it is, oh, yes, an inherently problematic character. But the, the idea that his arc is a great one. He's going, yeah. he's, he is a liberal, a liberal general, North Korean general sends his son to Western school in the hope of building a bridge between the two nations. And that very same Western upper class system corrupts him and messes him up yeah. to the point he, he hates them so much that he's prepared to build a massive spat, satellite in space and literally blow everyone to shit, you know. And completely destroy the West. It, it completely, completely radical. His experience of the Oxford and Harvard system radicalizes him to the point that he's willing to, to commit total genocide. That is a fantastic James Bond cinematic universe arc, and I'm completely on board with that. And that is, you know, that there's no, you can't take that away, that arc from there. But this is also the problem. At the end of the movie. He almost dies when his head is being pushed up against the bust of his former self. And it's a wonderfully symbolic moment when, because he, he, is, he said he fashioned himself on James Bond, like a kind of mirror universe James Bond. And so he's being killed by the, thing that he, by the person he wants to be, by being pre- pressed up against the person that he was. 
wonderful symbolism. It's a shame that they chickened out and didn't kill him um, because it would have been good. But the, but there's the issue is that all that had to be spelled out earlier on. They didn't have enough confidence in what they were doing to just let the audience get that because there wasn't enough power in the characterization and not enough time spent in the movie to be able to develop these, to develop them. That whole second half of that movie is rushed. It's mm. at a breakneck pace, which makes it <laughs> bearable to watch. But at the same time, it means they don't get to dwell on it. The only thing I would say is we are, we would have, if they'd done that, we would have been denied the one of the best lines in the Bond franchise. And that's, you know, time to face destiny, time to face gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely love there is one little bit, and I'm not a fan of Graves at all, and I'll come to that in just a sec, but I do love the bit where he goes, oh, look, two parachutes. Oh, dear. Only one. <laughs> That's a genuinely, like, and this, again, this is so frustrating because, yes, the film, uh, I would, you know, you you both convinced me of, of the wondrous merits of Moonraker, and I and now I look at this and, yeah, there's, there's very, you know, I think, you can tell that they've been influenced by a lot. They've taken a lot in there. But Moonraker feels like one of the biggest influences on this film, which is not a bad thing if you are set out to make a movie like Moonraker. Unfortunately, you're not setting out to make a movie like Moonraker. You, your other influence is probably maybe License to Kill is a big one in there because you've got a revenge thing and The Spy Who Loved Me. They're three films that don't necessarily gel together. You know, no issues whatsoever for me for, for going, saying, yeah, you know what? We love Moonraker. We're going to try and update it. We're going back to the Fleming Source novel. I think had they done that, Graham, I don't think any of us would have had a problem with that because we'd have been like, eh, you know what? It, this is, you know, we're in an uncertain world. Fine. If Bond wants to just go ridiculously over the top at this stage, we'll go with it. Moonraker was a lot of fun. Similarly, if they they went, you know, would go darker, we'd have gone with it as well. Um, yeah, and so it's it's such a shame into that. And it, it is the other thing that just is a shame. And, and Terry's touched on this is the fact that you essentially could have a, you know, we all remember Michael Lonster. We all remember Drax, and he's a great villain. He's got such great screen presence and. Again, the, the it's almost like they've just not really quite got a handle on what they want to do with the main villain because there's so many things feeding into it at that point. It just becomes a bit a bit of an overload. Yeah, and the the sort of super suit he puts on as well. This adds more to this whole thing of this of this clumsy sort of mishmash. It's like you know when when Bond tries to 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 bring another genre in. Uh, be it like black exploitation, be it kung fu movies, and this time he's trying to bring superhero movies in, um, and it, uh, yeah, of course it doesn't work, um, especially when you have the, the opening as 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 we we had. I was trying to think just back then of what if there wasn't the tonal shift in this film? What if the if the the last hour of this film there is another version of the first hour that is exactly the same tone as the second half? Can we imagine what what that what would be like? I mean, I'm not asking us to to work to workshop it now because it would be so ludicrous. We'd be here for hours trying <laughs> trying to trying to come up with it. But can you imagine the opening sequence to that? Now, now, now we are talking about some, I don't know. Yeah, where where are you CGI CGIing that from? Um, 
yeah, it's it's going to be on space shuttles, isn't it? Somewhere somewhere on along the line that, that to bring those in, but who knows? Do you mean if they'd started the film like they'd ended it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, arguably they do because that pre-credits because it is pretty big budget. It's pretty, yeah. you know, it's, it's 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 let's go to North Korea and fuck shit up, right? That's and and you know, it's got hovercrafts. It's, it's got hovercrafts hover hover chase. And in any other film, yeah. a, a hovercraft chase should be absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And, yeah, but and, it works. But it works. It really does work. And I thought, like, you know, yeah. this, 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 this is really good because they actually sell why they're doing it in hovercrafts because you know you don't want it. Like, it's the only thing that, that will go over a, a, a landmine, not not set it off. I'm not sure if the science there works, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm willing. I'm willing to have to to suspend it this 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 one moment. Hey, invisible cars. So yeah, okay, we'll go back. But no, you're right. I mean, th- that movie literally. It, it's like that first part it, it starts off like it ends kind of ridiculous <laughs> but it just suddenly it alters its tone within seconds it yeah. becomes you know within seconds of like job done right ho ho here we go another villain off off to the off to the credits we go he's then suddenly you know within seconds his 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 he's got his head in you know he's being waterboarded yeah. you know, and tortured in a north korean prison and it's a massive tonal shift and then it just goes like that along and then it shifts back up again. So you could argue that the nonsense starts at the beginning, but then it suddenly goes, "What? Well, no, actually, that was a misdirect. This is what the movie's about. Mm. Oh, no, wait, we've changed our mind. It's now about we're now going back to the silliness. And it's just too much. It's not good enough to make it work. Yeah, there, there are a lot of shifts in this completely. And, and it's just, it's so noticeable. And each of them by themselves... I'm still not sure about Iceland, but each of them by themselves are are actually not bad things if the film had stuck with that. Like I I I quite enjoy the Cuba sequence. I'd have loved to have seen a little bit more about our man in Havana and he was playing great. around that. Yeah. You know, that that's a bit that I can really get down with. I love the character of Raoul. He's, you know, again, one of those characters I'd like to see a bit more of. I'd love to have seen, you know, I, I'd have I was actually thinking I'd love for General Moon to become like a, to have become a recurring General Gogol character yeah. in there. That would have been brilliant. Awesome. Done that. It would, it would, awesome. would have done. And yeah, there's just there's so many ah, there's so many good bits in this film, but they are overshadowed and they're completely overwhelmed by. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, I think that's. That's how we kind of just generally, generally feel about this film. That you could, you could take all those little bits and pieces, and all of them are brilliant launch-off pads for a good Bond film, Terry. But they they don't launch; they just get stuck together, like my child sticks together a load of different arts and crafts. I mean, you you go well done. You you've you've made an effort there. Yeah, it's it's a child's cut. Co- it's a child's collage of a film, isn't it? Really. So, so, so you 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 can Im- it can imbue some beauty from it. And again, I stress. I mean, it, it. I I enjoyed watching this film. I really did enjoy watching this film. I will I will probably enjoy watching it. You know, flaws and all. I mean, I think it's. I love the the stupid bit with the with, when when he when he flips the Aston Martin over and then he uses the ejector fleet to flip it back. I mean, it's, it's monumentally daft. But it's 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 kind it's kind of it's kind of fun. But it is. But I have had to forgive this film for its for what is ultimately its betrayal. And and I'm not really prepared to persuade people 
to not, frankly. It's not good enough to defend. Moonraker was a genuinely good film, you know, but, but Die Another just isn't. And, it, and that's the key difference. With some of the dialogue in this film is just like cringe. It goes back to what we were talking about with what you were saying, Graham, with Die Another Day. Yeah. The, 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 the women's dialogue is just really, really cringe. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I, I, like, I like the... I mean, as a, as a lefty, I like the supercars in the paddy fields. I love the symbolism of stuff like that. That, that made me laugh. I mean, as, and also, I love the whole Blairite, let's, like, smash the system you know, by symbolising smashing Africa and revolutionaries and everything by smashing up the fencing club, but then just putting it back together again exactly as it was, which is like completely Blair 2002, you know. <laughs> that these, just, these aren't messages from the movies. These are just, this is just the movie being what it is at the time. Yeah. And I can appreciate that kind of stuff. But, but you know, only as a curiosity. No, this, the, 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 the film, I, I think I've worked it out. It, it's, it's basically TK Maxx. Um, I think it's 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 actually full of a lot of shiny stuff, but nearly all of it is crap, uh, except the one bits you 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 actually end up buying, um, despite your better judgment. Um, yeah, I th- I think that's probably the nicest thing I can say about Die Another Day. Oh, uh, I mean, it's the, the, this has led to some you know children's collages, TK Maxx of Bond films. <laughs> If Chat GTP wrote a Bond film, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm actually enjoying this a lot more than I thought I would, and I'm actually with Terry. I did actually enjoy a bit. Um, Graham, one other thing I think we have to touch on. I know we we talked a bit about Graves, but for me, I think one of the things that really lets this film down is the basically the, the triumphant of main characters. You've got Brosnan, who is is is. I think actually really good in this film, but then you've got really, you know, when you look at the Bond girl, you've got no real chemistry with Halle Berry at all. Um, there's chemistry with Rosamund Pike, but she's a supporting cast. She's not the the main Bond girl in there. You've Gustav Frey's again. We've talked about being problematic, and and that for me is is probably one of the big problems that you can you can have probably one of the three that is weak and um, we've seen that in a majesty secret service where you know lazenby you know that i we talked about how much we enjoyed that we know that lazenby is not the strongest actor but he's got diana rig and telly savalas around him so you can just let it wash over you but yeah having uh unfortunately i wouldn't say that you've got halle berry and toby stevens are anywhere near on the same level as diana rig and telly savalas sadly Certainly not in terms of how they're written at all and the chemistry within there. Yeah. Now, now I've I've read this a, a, a lot of in a lot of places, but there was always a story that that they were trying to set up a a an uh another franchise, wasn't it? It was like they, the the Halle Berry the the Jinx the Jinx character was going to have her own film, wasn't there? Was that was that, that an actual thing? It. Was it? it was yeah. greenlit, and a and a director was 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 hired, but they couldn't get the funding, yeah. and so it didn't happen. Yeah, she she actually won her Oscar during the filming of of mm, this for Monsters Ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I I actually I I don't I don't have a lot of pro- problem with 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 uh, with uh, Halle Berry in this. Um, I think the CGI of her backflipping off the walls a bit weak. I think um, the uh, the the bit where where um 
Pierce Brosnan's got his cock in there at the end is is uh, or is it a di- oh no it's a diamond in her belly button oh yeah I always get that bit confused um, I think that was a bit laboured of course it is um, but I, I, yeah I, I I quite like her I mean like, like basically it, it she was a she was a hell of a lot of be- a lot better than Christmas Jones was put it that way. Um, She's an actor. I mean, she's an actress of substance. Yeah, she's won an Oscar. Obviously, she's a yeah. good actress. But I think that she, if I may, yeah. Sorry, Graham, you're well, no, interrupting you. I, I think being a good act, act, actor doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good in the Bond film. I think, no. but yeah. So I think so. Toby Stevens played Hamlet in Hamlet at the RSC a few years after this. You know, he's a his Hollywood career took a bit of a nosedive after this film. But 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 I mean he's again an actor of tremendous substance. But and that's where also I think perhaps that you know perhaps that you can look to the director and ask yourself whether or not more could have been done in terms of direction. Um, but uh, I mean you know, at a micro level, at the at the cellular level, you can see they're really trying to bring meaning to these characters. But they're you know it's 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 clearly hard work for them. I was, I was going to say, it just feels for, for me with, you know, I think that's, a, and, and it has been, certainly you've, you've mentioned, you know, we've mentioned Christmas Jones, there is really not much chemistry between Denise Richards and Pierce Brosnan. And it just feels that there's, you know, we've had diminishing returns all the way through from the Brosnan era, as we, we've talked all the way in there. But it's the same with the the leading, uh, you know, with the Bond girls as well, because, you know, we, we went through Tomorrow Never Dies. I think we all really enjoyed Waylin. We we love Michelle Lai's character, Yo's character in there. There was even talk that she might have a spin-off, which would have been brilliant. Um, I even read something somewhere that there was one original draft that actually had her as uh, as the Chinese agent that Bond comes to after um he escapes, which again would have been lovely if they they'd thrown that back in there. Cause she, you know, again, slightly not sort of utilized brilliantly with the writers, but yeah, you've got said you know you've got a clunky script you've got two actors which just don't seem to gel on screen even i'd probably say you know brosnan and toby stevens don't quite gel i've completely forgotten the name of the the actor who played colonel um the colonel moon in the first bit um the the younger we've got good chemistry they're having a great time there but that's not the same with toby stevens and i wonder again if brosnan set himself up to be He's still playing the first half of the film and everybody else is in the second half of the film. And that's why you've just got this bit of just like, mm, nobody really quite works. And the only person who's cottoned on to that is Rosamund Pike. That's that's my kind of theory as to the leading actors in there, Graham. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I think I think because the film is so it, it is so you know jumbled. And the fact that 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 Toby Stevens only appears in the second half—that's a big mm. problem for him because he's in the worst half of the film. Uh, mm. and, and any actor who straddled both sides of it has a better chance of coming out of this looking okay. I don't mm. think Toby Stevens ha- is a problem in this film. I think I think Graves is is perfectly he's perfectly of his time. He's perhaps a little a little too mid nineties. A little bit to Richard Branson um, for it to really work, and especially if you look at it as well, you say, "Look, this man has got, really is not establishment. All he's got is money." And I suppose at the time you might have thought, "Well, that doesn't really work," but I suppose really under the Johnson uh, under the Johnson re- regime, if you've got enough money, then, then yes, you certainly can buy a knighthood. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with Graves. I think it, the, the 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 real problem you have with him is the fact that he's actually an Asian guy underneath it all. Um, I, I, is that is that another homage? Is that another look back to Doctor No when you've got a a, a Western guy playing playing uh, an Asian fella? Maybe mm. it is. Um, yeah, this this is what happens. You start looking at all the all the uh, cues in here again. Um, yeah, it's an unfortunate callback if it is, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, totally, totally. But mm, I, the, this is the whole face-off thing, isn't it, I suppose? Uh, but in face-off, that's ridiculous all the way through. The, the whole thing is about, about people swapping faces around. And and, <laughs> and, and the most one of the most ridiculous films of the nineties, and they and they decide to to like to oh, what, how can we make this a bit more a bit, bit, bit more subtle, a bit more scientificy? Do you think it would have worked better, Graham, if they had weaved, they they had brought Graves in earlier, and then because basically the first part of the movie is really it, all of it is Bond, you yeah, know, all of it's Bond. They don't go, they don't go anywhere else, do they? Unless I'm, or, or or they don't go very far from James Bond. It's his journey back to redemption, isn't it? Him following the the, the tracks back. Had they broken away and started building the Graves character earlier, do you think that that would have made the film work a little bit better. Um, not really. I don't know. I honestly, you're so down on this film that you I, can't find any way of. I, I don't because once you, once you start picking at the threads of it, it all falls apart. Mm. Uh, that that's that's the problem. It, because it, it it is quite an a, an intricate plot. Um, and and it and as Gary said earlier, everything goes on really quickly. And as you say as well, that. In the second half, everything happens so quickly that you don't have too much time to to, to sort of say, "Oh God, this is this really really sucks balls," uh, because it's it's going on to somebody else that sucks balls. Um, basically, another thing that, that comes up, and and I suppose that's one good thing about the second half is that it, you know it, it is a bit of a, a, a roller coaster ride. It's a terrible roller coaster ride, but it, it is still a roller coaster ride. I think it find it sucks bolus. <laughs> yes, yes, it almost certainly double oh seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I, I, this is just a very ultimately, I think, where we we kind of come to with this film is it's it's a strange, weird mishmash that I probably and and I would actually again I I stick with what Graham said that. It lets the world is not enough off the hook because that's object. We've sat through. We've done a commentary of the world is not enough. It's not a good film by any stretch of the imagination. And this could have been a good film. I don't think there would have been too much that would have. They'd have had to do some major, major surgery on the world is not enough. Whereas this, that there's good stuff in there. It's just overshadowed by everything else. Um, so Terry, let's just kind of as we we get towards uh, the end. I I know what they should have done. They should have actually stripped out the 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 bone marrow of the film, and then actually hooked it up to this special dream making <laughs> machine for fourteen months, <laughs> and then then you've got a better version of Die Another Day. No, uh, that that's what they did with The World Is Not Enough. Bugs, and they that's got what they Die did. Another Day. Of course they did. Look at it. I mean, like, you know, of course, how stupid of me. Bond gets double-crossed by, by by the beautiful female in it. Yes, of course. Of course it is. Again. <laughs> Ugh. 
Yes. Um, let's talk one thing as we get towards the end, Terry. And that, um, and I think this is actually a genuinely interesting question um, because actually the legacy of Die Another Day is, is, I mean, this is a film that, that could have very well actually ended up torpedoing the franchise. Um, if this had been Goldeneye, probably would have torpedoed the franchise, um, I'd probably say. But um, yeah, you, you actually leave Bond in a really strange place at the end of it. Um, and I think that, yeah, what, what's your take on what the actual legacy was uh, of Die Another Day on the franchise? It is worth bearing in mind this was a monumentally successful film. It was the highest grossing Bond film to that point. I mean, Casino Royale outgrossed it, but that's hardly surprising because Casino Royale is an amazing film. Um, um, but uh, but it, so, so it is worth bearing in mind that this film, and actually the reviews, the contemporary reviews were positive. It was, it was a well-received film, just like Diamonds Are Forever. Hugely successful, because obviously Connery was back, and well-received, much loved, um, even by a certain vintage of, of James Bond fans to this day, like that film. So it's worth bearing that in mind. I don't think there was any question that the franchise would have been, would have been back. Um, it wouldn't have been for financial reasons, because they, they made a stack of money out of it. But what's interesting about it is, is that a decision was made that they... This is not what happened, but in this is this is a, feels like what happened is that they looked at the both half of those movies and went right, which which way are we going to take this franchise? Do we do we stay silly, or do we do we do, or do we go born and do the first half of this movie and, and and move with the times? And they and they wisely move with the times and tonally that's what happened to subsequent James Bond films. Grant and the Daniel Craig era is. All about that. That in itself threw out more problems for the, for particularly for the Bond fans who like the light and frothy, silly stuff, including myself, who miss those kind of movies. But that's by and by. Um, but they, but for the for the for the time, that's the decision that they take. They took. So its legacy is is it is is it gave Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson a choice as to where to go with the franchise, and they chose wisely. <laughs> Yeah, Graham. It's. It, I mean, you you can certainly see how it sets up the the Craig era, um, and it's probably you know I I do I would have worried for the brand Bond franchise if they decided that yeah you know what the bit that really worked in that film was Invisible Car. Let's let's go with that next one in there. Um, but yeah, I, I and you look looking back on this, I can really my other take on the legacy is is that I just feel sorry for Pierce Brosnan just being tarred with some some absolute clunkers of a film. And you wonder what Brosnan would have done in the post 9-11 era. That's one of those big what-ifs from uh, from this particular franchise. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, but then you, you, you look back and you thought, what would he have done if he took the job in the mid-80s? Uh, of course, we wouldn't have had Dalton then. So it, the, there is that sort of thing that... that the uh the the franchise is richer because of Dalton being in there uh and maybe it's not richer for more going on for as long as he did but uh that's 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 just that's another conversation but yeah uh what what if Brosnan had only been there for 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 a couple of films uh and and Dalton had joined a bit later as well 
Um, what if there hadn't been the, the big gaps between in, in in the franchise there as well? Um, who's to say? It's 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 all about what has actually happened and about what the richness of the franchise is because of all the things that 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 didn't happen as much as all the things that that actually did. Um, the way that that this was his last film was sad because the, this I mean Goldeneye is so good and, it, and he at least he got a good film he at least he got one really 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 good film and that and, and for me Goldeneye is up there and it's not just about the fact that I fell in love with the game even though I did um the film itself is objectively one of the one of the best in the whole franchise and and it's really good that that he was part of it he'll always have that so that's that's one thing I mean not everyone gets that, but uh, I think most Bonds have got at least one really good film, haven't they? There's no no, no one's really gone through it yeah. all without without having yeah, one good one. Construct an argument to say that Tim Dalton maybe not have got I, either one's good, but I think Living Daylights is up there with as a as a genuine yeah, classic. Yeah, but me. I, I think people looking back at, 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 at um, Daniel Craig's films will will maybe in 20 years time look at Casino Royale and think well yeah that was great everything else yeah good but not as good as 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 Casino Royale and really? uh, yeah i i think that's what the test of time will be i think people will mm. start to pick holes especially in um inspector and and uh and even skyfall as well yeah, I we we we're, we're drifting into another podcast here. I yes. feel, but, but <laughs> I mean, I think you, you you may ask, and I think that the received wisdom is is that that Casino Royale is is virtually flawless yeah. as a as a film, and that Skyfall is virtually flawless as a James Bond film. But I I I, I wonder whether or not that's the case. I know, we're, and we're all in that kind of just past that no time to die post new Bond afterglow, aren't we? And 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 now we're maybe we're starting to reassess it less emotionally yeah. um and, and and that will be an interesting thing perhaps you know somebody should record a series of podcasts about that mm, maybe perhaps somebody should. i i i would be the one thing that i find kind of interesting a little bit as well and and i'd be curious to see if they go down this route because you do have a little bit of a hint well you have a bit of a hint of what's to come with Craig when you sit down and watch Die Another Day. And that that's aged, I think, probably relatively well, um, even if the movie itself is 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 a bit weird. Um, but you you get hints of where they can take that direction. I wonder if the hint where they might take the direction of the next Bond sits uh, with Anna de Armas and that amazing scene from No Time to Die. If they decide that they want to go down that route, I can get along with that for sure because that is probably again when you when you lift individual scenes out of Bond, that is probably up there again with one of my favorite. I've only seen the film once, so I might change my mind, but that's up there with one of my favorite bits of Bond ever. 
And I will, you know, that is a hill that I would die on, uh, I think, in there. That this is, and if they go down that route, um, you know what? I'll, I'll love to see where that one goes. Um, so, yeah, this is, you know, that's, as you say, Terry, we are wandering into a, to another level of podcast where I feel that uh, the Craig era ones are going to be an interesting one for the old job pod to do. I, I, have, I have thoughts and feelings on them, especially Spectre and Quantum of Solace as well. I think the next Bond film is going to be going to going to take a huge chunk of Korean cinema and make it theirs. <laughs> I think it's going to look. I think it will. They'll be looking at things like Squid Game and stuff like that and thinking, yeah, we need to. We need we, this. This has the sufficient wackiness in it mm-hmm. to to make it authentic James Bond cinema. And and I I I got a feeling that they could go that way personally. Oh, completely. I mean, I get get the guy who made Parasite. Get get him in and go. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get a Korean. I think there's a good chance I'll get a Korean director in to 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 make that one. And we're, and just in the way that Live and Let Die channeled the black exploitation wave, I think that there's a good possibility that we could be watching watching a K cinema version. And I am in the front row for that bad boy. I'm telling you right now. Oh hell yes! You get BTS doing the uh, the theme song. Well, we can dream, Gary. We can dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm yeah i'm i'm for that as well i'm a big fan of of, of korean cinema um yeah or i God, you know what this is one of those ones now where um having gone into this with uh with trepidation i've come out and there's so much more that directionally so many more podcasts where i we could literally probably sit down and record podcasts across everything from Korean cinema through to Casino Royale through to Face Off, um, you know, all of which I think would be uh, would be very enjoyable uh, directions to go um, in there. But yeah, I mean, I think we we've, we've got to where we've got, and and I feel that out of everything, I've worked through my issues just as I worked through my Moonraker issues. I've worked through my Die Another Day issues and for which I thank you gentlemen for, for leaving me in a better place certainly at the end of this podcast. Um, but also, I don't know about you, Graham and Terry, but I feel like we've kind of redeemed this film a little bit. The film itself is not redeemable, but we've redeemed parts of it and I've made peace with that and I'm okay with it. And I might even like stick it off the bottom ladder of the worst Bond film ever, which I had in my mind. It's probably not going to go much higher up. What would that. you replace it with? <sighs> uh, I was thinking about this last night, actually, as I was going to kind of. I believe like, this is the worst film. Which one is? And um, uh, th- this one might incur the wrath of the internet. But I really don't like the man with the golden gun. Hmm. Gone. No. I think that one is that one has a a high level. Potentially, the world is not enough. Is also bad film. Uh, I wouldn't put Diamonds of Forever down there. I think it's got enough that I I enjoy it and can get through it. I'm not a big fan of Spectre, but that's by no. But Inspector is a better film than Diamonds. Yeah, I'm going to go with Man with the Golden Gun. For the time being, yeah. That's, that's uh, again, again, an, another film which doesn't know what it is. Yes, that's that's, that's the true. main problem. And woefully underusing, woefully, woefully underusing its its best best the best of Christopher Lee, which is a yeah. scandal. Yeah. In the way that Robert Carlyle is woefully underusing to in in the world is not enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of those films that just doesn't know what it's got. Uh, I, I, 
I'll tell you what, Terry, I was not expecting to enjoy the film as much as I did last night. No, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm truly, I'm glad because I mean, like, you know, I, I mean, I enjoyed watching, watching it. I mean, I, I, I can't bring myself, I'd have to be like ridiculously contrarian to do a 180 on this movie and say, oh no, this film's actually good. Um, but because it, it really isn't, but but there's there's nothing. You know, I just thought I'm not gonna. I can't be bothered to hate on a on on a James Bond film. My life is just too short. I'm just gonna just watch this movie and just enjoy it. And I did, and I, I make no apologies for it whatsoever. And we'll continue to enjoy it again. Although it may be a while before I see it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be revisiting this anytime soon. No. I do feel that like continuing to stick the knife and to die another day is a bit like the South Park meme of stop, stop, he's already dead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's the it, it's it, it, it's exactly like that. And I think that we've allowed ourselves a chance to exercise a few demons, haven't we? Um, yes. You know, and uh, get 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 the die another day of hate out of our system so that we can now move on to to to, to more wholesome pursuits. And you know what? I'm going to come out and say that I don't, you know, there's a lot I'm frustrated, but the, the hate has left my system. I do not feel hate towards this this movie at all. I, I just feel pity now. Is this one of those things where you've where you've where you've met your abuser and you've forgiven them? It's a bit off color, off color. If it is, be funny. Just a move. No, 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 no. This is opposite. This is this is actually meeting up with the kid who got bullied at school and that you never stood oh. up for. This is this is it. And you know, he's still someone you don't want to be your mate, but you know, you, you do feel a bit guilty about it now. Yeah, yeah you can. I get, this is a this is a film. I think if you know, this is a very weird thought experiment to finish up on, but if uh, if James Bond <laughs> people, this is one that I I wouldn't spend too much time with, but I would happily sit down from time to time and have a beer with them. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I'd, I'd probably find an excuse not to, but you know, I'd I'd perhaps send Christmas cards to and uh, follow on Twitter. That's probably be about as close as I would get. Yeah. Be the one in the WhatsApp group that you don't really know that well, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, you again." Yeah, mm. I'd I'd like his Instagram <laughs> posts, but yeah, they they'd probably be really weird. Yeah, you you would you wouldn't want to go around the house to spend too much time yeah. with them. That's for yeah. sure. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let his retweets into my I'd I'd block his retweets into my timeline. <laughs> Turn off retweets for day another day. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> And like, yeah, I I definitely do that because I think that's that's the, that's the name of the episode. Then, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we've we've got many many things to work through. Um, I think yeah. that sums up. I think that's probably the best the, the best analogy for this film you can find. <laughs> 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 yeah, I still follow it, but I turn off its retweets. Yeah, yeah. It quotes on the post to Felon. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't let its retweets into my column. Also, we have to say this is a RIP, RIP Gary Andrews constantly referring to Pierce Brosnan's canon as well as, a, as an odd job pop me, which I, for one, am quite grateful for. 
<laughs> you noticed that I I delivered not once. No, I, I did. I, I, I did. Yeah, I did hear you. I, I did hear a pause in there. It was almost there, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I was about to mention Pierce Brosnan's canon, but <laughs> now it's going to be Daniel Craig's canon. I'm sure. Yes. Shall we close this out then? Because we haven't actually said goodbye. No, no, we haven't. Very different canon. Uh, Thank you very much, dear listeners, for sticking with us on this. Um, I hope we've exercised some of your Die Another Day demons as well. If you haven't watched a film in a while, don't bother. I mean, look, if it's on ITV4, fine. You know, and you've got nothing better on an evening to do, fine. You'll probably find a few bits you enjoy, but really don't go and see this film out. It's not very good. but it's okay. We've made peace with that. And we know where we are at the moment. So, yes, the Odd Job Pod will return. Uh, please go, you know, if you want to, go back through some of our other ones to, to discuss Pierce Brosnan's canon. There's also our side project, the Action Movie Landfill, as well. Um, and I kind of feel that one day on that bit, we may well get around to Face Off, for which I would be uh, very, very here for, indeed. Um, and, yeah, it just makes you think, what if John Woo had done this film? I think we'd have been in a very, very different place. Oh, now, that would be a bit of fan fiction to go with. Anyway, uh, please let us know. If, if you're one of those weird country people on the internet who's written one of those articles going, no, Die Another Day is, is my favourite film, um, fine. Don't retweet us. It's fine. Don't, don't put that into the column again. You know, you're entitled to your opinion. Fine, we might debate you, but, but really, there's nothing much to debate on, on that one in there. But again, we appreciate your choice. Everybody has a choice and, and you know, go with it if you want. Um, if you do have any opinions which are not Die Another Day is my favourite film, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, our job pod, um, providing Elon Musk hasn't blown it up and turned it into a huge satellite. Um, or you can also follow us on Facebook. Please do, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're coming into it for the first time, I'm not, I'm not sure why you'd come into Die Another Day as the first Bond podcast that you were going to listen to as you were scrolling through the Odd Job Pod feed for the first time. Um, but if you have, uh, please do subscribe to us on the usual well, on the usual platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Leave us a review. Tell us that you really liked it. Um, and we will be back uh, as an Odd Job Pod. We'll be back to discuss the Craig era uh, and a few other bits of action movie landfill, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Until then, dear listener. Goodbye. 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 Okay. Damien Lewis, literally two years after making this film, Damien Lewis played the Dane in the RSC. Damien Lewis isn't in this film. Who am I thinking about? You're really thinking of Toby Stevens. I'm thinking, why am I saying Damien Lewis? Because he's ginger. Okay, so no, we're just going to say Toby Stevens a couple of times. Toby Stevens. Toby Stevens. <laughs> Toby Stevens. Toby Stevens. Yeah. Just to get it in.